Hi, I'm Dave McKeown. I am the host of the Church Explained podcast. And today we're so excited. We've got a, an amazing guest with us, a guy by the name of Mako Fujimura. And he is an artist, a creator, and an author. And uh, let me just say something about Marco today. And we're going to find out a little bit more about Marco as we go through the podcast. But Marco is the founder of the International Arts Movement and the Fujimura Institute and the co-founder of the Consigu Academy. And uh, you've written two books that I'm aware of, but there could be another one. I know you've written Culture and the one on culture. Is that correct? Yeah, Culture Care and uh, Art Plus Faith, The Theology of Making, which is the, my new book. And yep. then I also wrote a book called Silence and Beauty, uh, which has to do with uh, the book Silence by Shu Sakendo and Martin Scorsese's film. Silence. Oh, very good. I, I haven't come across that one. I've come across the other two. And obviously, we want to talk today about art and faith, theology of making today in the podcast. So uh, it's so good to have you with us. And uh, thanks for joining us today. So it'd be great just to find out a little bit about yourself. We always like to ask our guests a little bit about their background, um, what they do, and their role in life as well. So I wonder if you could just share with our listeners today. Sure. I was born in Boston, uh, in the United States. My father is a... uh, a uh, fairly well-known scientist, and uh, he was um, at MIT when I was born um, doing his work with Noam Chomsky. So <laughs> he brought the uh, generative grammar uh, theory into Japan, uh, Tokyo University, uh, and I spent my uh, childhood years there um, and came back to the United States in middle school. And um, I went to university in uh, United States and then went back to Japan for graduate uh, studies in Nihonga, Japanese style paintings. Um, and uh, I, I, I became immersed in this um, ancient craft of painting, which harkens back to 15th century. And, and then my purpose for doing that, though, was to apply the principles into contemporary art. So um, I returned to uh, U.S. Uh, in New York um, area, and uh, I began to exhibit in the 90s uh, as an artist here. Fantastic. And uh, family? Do you have family? Yes. Um, I am married and I have three children from my previous marriage. Um, so that um, is a journey that I, I speak about often, but um, it, um, I, I live here with my wife in Princeton, New Jersey now. So, Marco, I was just thinking through this idea of how um, the work of artists and the work of public speakers, preachers, communicators, how there's possibly a connection there. Uh, as they're creating something. Could you speak into that um, from your experience? Yeah, absolutely. Um, When you study the Bible, the first thing you notice is that God uh, created. um, And so God is the artist. I make a claim in the book that God may be the only true artist, um, being able to create something out of not ex nihilo or nothing. And um, therefore, all of scriptures um, from the Old Testament to New Testament is filled with the, how we come to know this creator, the maker, um, and how God, the artist, invites 
his foreign creatures to participate in this project or new new creation. And of course, in order to do that, you have to have the redemptive journey, uh, uh, presence of Jesus in our lives and his, his atonement and sacrifice and the resurrection. Um, it, it, but, but it all points to uh, this uh, new creation that God is inviting us uh, into. So uh, therefore, preaching or any kind of our effort to worship is inherently a creative act in accordance to what this artist, great artist, is inviting us to, into. So whether it be worship, uh, whether it be um, service uh, of mercy, uh, creating beauty in any form, not just what I do as an artist, but it, it could be a chef uh, making an omelette or um, someone gardening to grow uh things go grow tulip um you know th those are all creative activities that connects us to each other and 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 ultimately uh, through the spirit we can be connected to the creator yeah i love that idea that we're connected to the creator and and of co course this idea that god is the ultimate artist above all isn't he with with all he's created do you, do you think then for people listening do you think um would you say that that all people have the ability to create and should be thinking of doing that? Yeah, we are created to be creative. Uh, moment, uh, we, we are conceived. I believe that uh, God has instituted this enormous potential in us. Now, circumstances could prevent us from reaching that potential. And we hope we can do the best we can to um, give that potential, the possibility of that reality to manifest in the fullest sense in everybody's life. Um, and to me, the calling of a Christian church is for flourishing of all people and all creatures. Uh, you know, not not just so that we can be, um, you know, restored in in a sense to um, have a relationship with God, but God, again, as an artist, is looking at us as God's artwork, ultimate artwork, um, and that includes all the things that happen that. Um, we wrestle against and uh, we struggle through, uh, and, and yet God is sovereign and in, in control of that as, as the master artist conductor. Uh, he is weaving something very beautiful in us, despite the, what the world looks like right now. So everybody is involved in that project. Mm, and despite despite the chaos, we all have something that we can share and something we can bring. And I know one of the one of the ideas you mentioned in your book um, is this 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 sort of concept around um, the difference between making and using, uh, and that really intrigued me because I think often we 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 do make things to use more than just making them for something bigger. I wonder if you could maybe speak into that as well. That would just be fantastic. 
Sure. Um, I call it plumbing theology. And a lot of preaching that I hear tends yeah. to be about, um, you know, redemption of Christ, which is at the heart of the gospel. Surely it is, it is one of the most important realities for us to understand that Jesus um, have given us um, access to uh, this um, reality of God, God himself. And, and yet, uh, the redemptive act doesn't end uh, at the cross or doesn't end at the resurrection. The resurrection is an inauguration of new creation. And therefore we fallen creatures now redeemed by God is now supposed to play a major role in ushering in this new creation um, in, in the now and, and, and in the future. And so we, um, we tend to truncate, um, and, and what I mean by plumbing uh, theology is, you know, we are often given tools to use uh, at, at, at church programs, and uh, we are supposed to fix things. We're supposed to fix our marriages. We're supposed to fix our society. We're su supposed to fix our sinfulness. Um, and those, those are not bad things, um, but we tend to not hear uh, why it is that we're doing the fixing. So we get all these tools at church and we go home and use it to fix up plumbing and it works. And we invite our neighbors to come and, uh, you know, help them to learn this new tool. But very rarely you hear a sermon about why we are, you know, uh, fixing the broken pipes, what is going through the pipes and what is the result of us finding that flourishing of um, um, healing that is coming through the spirit, the blood of Christ that cleanses us and, and the wine of new creation that is flowing backwards through the pipes in, into uh, our, our communities. Mm -hmm. And what that would that do? Well, well, that would make us makers. Uh, that would make us uh, be people who would be known for beauty and mercy. And, and yet, oftentimes the preaching stops at, okay, so you have been redeemed, you need your neighbor redeemed, so let's go out and share the gospel to your neighbors. And it, that's not wrong, um, but, it, but it, it is um, it, only a portion of the grand story the, of the good news, which, which, which is a remarkable um, unbelievable, in a sense, uh, calling that we have toward this abundance of God in midst of the ground zero conditions all over us, the scarcity around us, the wasteland in front of us. Those, those are pointing actually at Jesus' words that call us beyond what we see. And that's why it takes faith to walk into places uh, like Ukraine right now, devastation. And, and yet you, we, we are, as Christians, to seek God's abundance in that very uh, heart of darkness. And, and the, the, you know, the, these are things that um, we see inspiration in the world, uh, like President Zelensky showing up. In, in the midst of that and, and courageously showing leadership that points to just beyond this war, right? It, it points to uh, a, a world in which human beings ought to act 
um, you know, heroically faced with evil, faced with darkness, and pointing out some grand narrative that moved far beyond the end of this war into a uh, community and society that uh, we long to live in. Yeah, I love I love that, and I I think just picking up around those ideas that you've mentioned there is, is is sometimes we we stop the gospel too short. We say it's up to the point of redemption or forgiveness, but actually the gospel is much bigger than that, uh, and I think. Yeah, absolutely, and, and, and it involves the new creation, and that's some of the big themes that come through in your book, the difference between kainos and neos or neon. And and again, those are great ideas, and I, I wonder if you could just maybe speak a little bit further into that for, for our listeners as well, because some great nuggets there, I think, that will help people move from the fact that the gospel is not just this small portion, but actually it's it's much bigger. Yeah, it's not certainly a checklist of, you know, things to do and not to do. Um, the word kainos comes from Paul's words, in Christ we are new creation. And that word new is kainos. And, uh, you know, in Greek, uh, there are several words for new newness. Um, and this is a very distinctive word that Paul uses, uh, very rare use. And usually what is new, like a new iPhone, is neos, so from which we get the word neon. Uh, it's flashy, it's new, uh, everybody wants it, but next day it's old, <laughs> you know, and, and there's a new one, you know, next uh, in six months or whatever. And um, so that's neos. Uh, what is kainos? Kainos, well, I, I transliterate as new newness. Uh, what Paul is saying is that this newness in Christ is so substantially and so radically new that we don't really understand this newness, that this is a new kind of newness, um, which is exemplified by Christ's resurrected body, which is a body, he's not a ghost, but he is fully present, and yet he's everywhere. Uh, and, and he has his nail marks with him. And so what is this newness? Well, we don't fully have language for this, so kainos is a language that Paul chose to use um, as a way to designate that this is not like a new iPhone or new new um, car. This is a new newness that is redefining what new is. Hi, everyone. I hope you're enjoying the podcast. We just want to take a moment and pause and let you know about something exciting we have on offer right here from Icon Open. We help leaders find solutions through our coaching and team training. And we've worked with all types of churches in different countries around the world, from large churches to small churches, and of course, anything in between. And leaders come to us for a variety of reasons. For some, they simply want to get to the next level in their leadership. They want a coach to work with them for a period of time so they can get new momentum or fresh ideas or fresh insights for the next part of their journey. Other leaders will come to us. Maybe they're working through some opportunities or challenges in their church. And just maybe to have someone to think with them and help them process through big ideas like staffing or teams or transitions really does seem to make a difference to them. So if you've never had a coach and you're a senior leader or a leader within a church, we want to encourage you to get in touch with us because we think we can really help you find the solutions you need for the next part of your journey. Have a look at icon.church forward slash coaching and you'll find all the details there of how to connect with us 
and we look forward to hearing from you very very soon yeah very good and and i think again it just picks up on some of the other big ideas in the book which was you talk about the consigu principle which is a great idea. And it got me thinking of this, uh, Michael, around the idea of, of how can that principle really help people at this time, like whether it's church leaders or those they're looking after? Because I think it does pick up on this idea that we are all broken, uh, but actually it's not just about making us new and ignoring what we were, but it's actually dealing with some of what we were before and bringing that into the new. And I wonder, maybe some of our listeners maybe haven't heard of that principle before. I wonder if you could share a little bit about it and how you think it applies to church leaders and the people, I suppose, in general at the minute. Kintsugi uh, is a Japanese word. Kin is gold and tsugi means to mend. Uh, tsugi also means to, tsugu means to pass something on to the next generation. Uh, it flows out of the high tea ceremony of uh, the 16th century Japan. And uh, Kintsugi has become uh, kind of ubiquitous now in culture. There's in Star Wars, uh, you know, Kairo Ren's helmet is Kintsugi. And, um, you know, it's, it's kind of everywhere now. Um, but it, it is a traditional art form uh, by Japan lacquer masters, Urushi masters, who would take broken ceramics. Uh, sometimes very important teaware will break because of many earthquakes and tsunamis uh, in Japan. And the families of tea masters will often hold on to the fragments for several generations and then give the fragments and the story of how that tea was used to serve certain dignitaries or shogun or whatever that may be. And Japan lacquer master will not fix it, but mend it to make new uh, with gold in the fissures uh, of the cracks. So the cracks are amplified and highlighted and beautified by gold, which makes the kintsugi board and, and, and product of kintsugi to be more valuable than even the original bowl, as valuable as that may have been. So in Japan, Japanese tradition, this idea of imperfection, finding beauty through imperfection is, is critical. It's a, it's a central understanding of how we understand that impermanence is actually, and even death itself can become beaut- beautiful. And it's kind of counter to Western notion of perfected beauty. Um, and, and so this, uh, this takes a while to adjust our thinking. And yet many people resonate with this today in, yeah. in a fragmented society with so many divisions, uh, even you know, obviously politically, but uh, divisiveness within the church, um, countries at war. Um, you know, when, when things break, Western mind says, well, throw it away, we'll build a new one. <laughs> but the Japanese will say, no, let's first look at the brokenness and behold it until we can see beauty in that. Mm-hmm. And let's process this, you know, together perhaps to, to be able to understand what had happened. It has a generational impact. You can't just move, move on. Um, you know, I, I'm, a res- I'm a survivor of 9-11. I, was, uh, I lived three blocks away from the towers and I was trapped underneath. But I, you cannot move 
you know, uh, away from ground zero in that sense, because the ground zero um, is part of you now. And so beholding the fractures, beholding what is broken becomes the first step into understanding how even those painful memories and even the trauma that you experience can be an entry point into something new that did not exist before. And if you're a Christian, and if you understand the post-resurrection journey of Christ, Christ with, um, as a wounded human being mm. coming back in, in fullness, and yet he chose to have the nail marks with him. And it is through his wounds that we are healed. So therefore, our new creation, the kainos reality, comes through Christ's wounds. It, it, it is as if a light shines through them into our hearts so that we can be healed and our wounds can become not just fixed, but also mended to become new. So I, I think Kintsugi is one of the most profound concepts um, indigenous to Japan. But as I talk about in my Silence and Beauty book, Japanese culture has hidden many realities of a biblical story and gospel in her culture. Uh, this is because Christianity flowed into Japan very early on because of Silk Road um, history. Um, and then through many years of persecution, Japan has um, persecuted uh, Christian thoughts underneath. Um, and I, I argue that that has become Japanese culture a large. And in fact, what the Japanese are talking about when they talk about beauty, the sacrificial beauty is, is, is pointing at, at Christ. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that picture of Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, with his still having those wounds, really does speak into that because so often we think, I think by and large in the church, we can often think that when we become new, that all those bits are left behind and, and, and almost um, not important or not useful. And I think that's where the Kintsugi principle, and um, that this picture of pulling the parts together make something even more beautiful. I think to me it's much more stronger and, and maybe speaks into this kainos, this new newness. It's it's not just like we're new, the old is gone and, and that's it. But actually there's something powerful about we carry something from the past and some of those things we carry from the past maybe we're not proud of and even leaders as they're listening, maybe stuff in their life they're not proud of. But actually even those things God can take and mend them into something even greater. Exactly. Um, and we have powerful. to balance, of course, not celebrating brokenness um, uh, in, in doing that. And, and that, that, that's, that, that requires a uh, deeper, more complex theological you know, thinking. And, and actually applying this uh, is, um, is some, something that an artist does very well. It, it, um, if you watch Shakespearean theater, it, it's happening in front of you because the, the tension um, has to be there between what we seek to be perfect and, and the reality of brokenness that we actually experience on this side of eternity and how that brokenness, you know, this, this fallenness of Macbeth, right, becomes so real in us 
right, that we start to identify with uh, this uh, lunatic, basically, you know, power-possessed lunatic, and yet there is truth there, right? So the, so we have to balance between, you know, we're not celebrating Macbeth, and, you know, and yet we can understand our own frailties and fallenness and, and be able to apply that principle through Christ's and this is only possible through Christ, uh, because Christ is the only um, archetype for this type of inversion, this type of upside-down kingdom, where the the poor become rich, where the wounded are the wounded heater, you know, become the heaters, um, and and it is it is so upside down that I think it requires, you know, very careful and nuanced, um, you know, uh, communication. And, and yet, it, 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 I see it everywhere in nature. I see it in, in the principles that we value in economics, uh, in, you know, in, in leadership, teaching. So I, I think there's internal kind of um, compass toward uh, this reality as well. Uh, yeah, and I think well, well put there for pointing out the fact that we're not here to celebrate brokenness, but we, I think also we're not here to ignore it either. I think it's seeing the big picture, isn't it, really? And seeing the fact that Christ can take the bits of us that actually aren't so good and create something better out of them going into the future. And I, I think that's one of the things I really love about that idea within the book. Um, well, one one of the other big things you talk around is this idea of slow art, and um, and I'd watched some of um, the videos and tutorials that you had online through some of your stuff, and and listen just to some of the processes and and the lengthy processes there is within creating some of the art um, that you would make, and it got me thinking: how, is there something that we can learn from slow art in our hurried world today? Do you think? Yeah. So there's such a uh, divide between in, in the industrial world, post-industrial world, uh, between nature and what we make, you know, and, and uh, uh, today y- you can make an entire movie without touching anything, you know, and, and, and yet that has given us a kind of alienation um, from each other, alienation even from yourself. Um, that psychiatrists are noticing um, that, you know, in the pandemic shutdown, we are always on Zoom and and we might be productive getting something done. And yet something is happening to our psyche where we feel totally isolated, you know, um, and and experience depression and loneliness in, in ways that we, we haven't. Um, and it 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 just points to the need that human beings have to somatic knowledge or somatic reality, um, and you know, and then that that if you flip that, we can see how the church can be one of the most um, attractive places, winsome places for people simply to gather, just to be a community. Right. And and yeah, we've been forced to be, you know, doing Zoom worship and so forth. Um, and there's something wrong when we can't 
touch, you know, and 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 embrace each other. That you know, communion is meant to be served in person, right? So, so there there is something about human nature and nat- actually fabric of reality that um, we can't violate and and go for too long. Um, and and so slowness is not just in what I do in pulverizing pigments, minerals, and mixing it by hand. And, you know, it takes about, um, uh, you know, six hours to prepare the glue, and then you reconstitute it with, so it's this constant um, growth of trying to get the right kind of mixture for right time. And it's closer to gardening than it is to, you know, uh, making something uh, industrial efficient with industrial efficiency. So when you use your hands, there's so many variables that come into play. Um, And because the slowness of, uh, you know, whether you're making uh, uh, a stew or uh, when you're making anything, you know, it it all comes down to the ingredients and it it comes down to the quality of what you choose. So it takes years of, you know, training, as it were, to just get to that point where you choose the right things for the right time and it keeps changing right so there's no formula there's no recipe that accurately captures the the you know carrots that you've chosen at the farmer's market um, so you, you you kind of have to intuit that and and that's what slowness does is you know when we um, when we come to understand that our senses fully alive, in God can have a deeper knowledge of understanding about making that we may not have on on Zoom sessions or on TV, that's when we realize that there is something missing in education, right? (laughs) And something missing actually in our churches that doesn't cultivate a sanctified imagination through our senses. And, and so we, we have not done well in advanced cultures uh, to uh, really connect with the earth, first of all, and we connect with each other. And so attentiveness is gone uh, because of that. And so slowness in anything, slow art, if we can live a slow life, let's say, um, we might recover some, some of what we have lost. Well, Marco, it has been such a pleasure to have you with us today on the Church Explained podcast. I want to thank you for joining me. Um, If people want to find out more details about you, where would they need to go? Just look up my name. Uh, My website will come up and uh, all the linkage to Cultural Care Creative, uh, International Arts Movement, they're all there. So fantastic so again we'll put that in the show notes and uh, people will be able to find that and that that has been fantastic so a big thank you for being with us and that that is a wrap for us today